Let's rock. Hello, yes, Dan Eisen here. This is the master of Tiger style, Lee Moriarty, Dominic Carini. This is Trey Lamar. This is Zoe Sky. This is Nick fucking Gage. This is Bobby Beverly, and you're listening to the IWTV Guide Podcast. Welcome to another edition of IWTV Guide, your guide to what's on independentwrestling.tv. I'm Jared J. Hawk Hawkin, and joining me as always, independent wrestling best designated driver, Charlie Butter. Yeah, I'm a pretty good driver. Uh, I moved your seat completely all around, your mirrors all around, and uh, didn't get us in a wreck on the way home. So That took me like 10 minutes to get the seat back where I liked it on Sunday morning. But <laughs> Told you. You said you didn't give a you shit. You did. So. I was like, all right, man, I'm making myself comfortable the whole way home. Yeah, well, I, like I said, my plan was to get fucked up. I was not driving home. <laughs> speaking of fucked up, that. yeah, speaking of <laughs> fucked up, we have the world's tiniest toss, the number one man who knows all the information about Chikara. Please welcome <laughs> the one and only, the man, Adam Van. What's going on, dude? Hey, guys, thank you. Thank you, Charlie. Thank you, Jayhawk. And uh, as everybody knows, as you just alluded to, uh, there is only one expert on Chikara from the soon-to-be-named network from At Odds with Wrestling. That is me. It is not the other guy, whatever his name is, Leonard something. Uh, I'm glad that you came to me finally to review a Chikara show. Yeah, you know, we've been thinking about it for a long time, and it just seems like uh, this month is just the right month to do so. Yeah, yeah. And plus, having Joe on and, like, every uh, other episode you know having on twice in a month probably would have been bad form so it's good to mix it up a little bit <laughs> yeah uh as as much as we loved having him on i was like oh you know i, I want to get adam on too uh gotta have both you guys on because i enjoy your guys's podcast i listen to it every friday morning that's what gets me going on fridays so it's good to have that um yeah and uh, i, I- I was going to say, I appreciate that. And because I am not Joe, I will keep this podcast under three hours. <laughs> well, I hope so. Cause, uh, I, I don't remember much of this show, even though I just finished watching it. Uh, there was so much cool stuff and, uh, I just, my memory is not that great. So, well, I picked this show because I went to it and we'll get into it as we get to the review, but I went to it back in 2015 and I was not a fan of indie wrestling, and the only reason I went to this show, other than the fact that uh, Joe got me in for free, uh, keep that under your hat, but uh, the only reason I went to it is because I was, at the time, a huge Bullet Club fan. Don't hold that against me. But I was like, oh, I'm going to get to see the Young Bucks, I'm going to get to see AJ Styles, and I also, the Blue World Order was going to be there, they were advertised. Uh, I had no knowledge of anybody else that was on the show, Even when I suggested to you guys that we do this, I was reading through the match listing, and while there are some names that rung a bell, for the most part, most of these trios teams were going by their whatever trio name, Mm -hmm. so I still didn't know until I was re-watching it. I was like, holy shit, Orange Cassidy, holy shit, 3.0. So there's a lot of surprises for me that that popped me huge in this rewatch. And uh, I'll go into that a little bit later, but uh, I enjoyed rewatching it, and I'll fill you in. I'm sure Jayhawk will as well. Yeah, in, in regard to Joe getting you in for free, I think the statute of limitation could pass. Like, I don't think Quack's going to come for that 15 bucks now. <laughs> That's true. He's got his own problems now. He doesn't need my 15. Well, he needs my 15, but he ain't getting it. <laughs> I was going to ask, like, if you, if you and Joe knew each other at this time when this show happened and, like, what your reasoning for going to the show, since I know you're not a big indie guy was, and I was wondering if it was because AJ Styles was there in the Bullet Club. So I'm glad you answered all those questions because I was going to ask yeah. you about that. <laughs> 
Yeah, I knew Joe mostly from going to the same comic book shop. You know, myself, him, and his co-host from his comic book show, Longbox Heroes, Todd Roker, who actually went to this Chikara show with me. Uh, we, we all knew each other from the comic shop originally. So I would see Sposto in there. And, you know, he'd be holding court talking about wrestling, but I'd be like, oh, you know, what are you talking about? He'd be like, Chikara. And I'm like, oh, that sounds made up. I don't I don't think that that's a real thing. <laughs> um, because it's not on television. I wasn't a tape trader. You know, the stuff that I kind of got out of going on the news sites, you know, because we are post, you know, the wrestling wars. So uh, I, I kind of fell out of wrestling. Mm-hmm. But I think it was more one of those things where he he might have mentioned on Facebook, oh, your your Bullet Club buddies, he said it with his eyes rolling, we'll be at this show, if you want to go, let me know. And it just worked out that uh, myself, Todd Roker, and a very, very young Wicca phase uh, went, to the, went to the show. And I actually told Wicca phase in the car that one day he's going to become a very successful musician. And if he ends up recording the AEW theme song of Darby Allen, he owes me a cut. So I'm still waiting for that check. <laughs> You and all your cuts of money, man, uh, every week with the Amazon, uh, link and everything else. I don't know. You're going to be as bad as, uh, orange flaccity is asking for your masters of this episode and asking for a cut of the money we make, which is $0 by the way. So, uh, don't expect anything from us. Well, I, that's fine. I mean, you can't be the hundred dollar van ski unless you're working on opportunities left and right. You know, you always got to get your taste. What does he always say about friendships and, and, and fanships and all that kind of fun stuff in the business? It's, and it's a toy. It's a toy business, not the toy friendship. Speaking of, I actually picked up three figures this weekend. Oh, what'd you get? Uh, I picked up uh, on Friday from kayfabe collectibles. I picked up uh, the Pentagon junior with the uh, black and gold outfit. Okay. Uh, Cause I've been wanting a Pentagon for a while and I finally saw that one and he was reasonably priced. And so I got him and then I picked up the uh, Bam Bam Bigelow. That's the Target exclusive right now. Uh, yep. I got that from our friend Justin Summers. And uh, then when I got, uh, I went to my dad's today to pick up my mail from Amazon, and I got the uh, fan exclusive one, uh, the uh, Johnny Gargano in the uh, Wolverine attire. Oh, that figure is awesome! I actually ordered that from Amazon way back in the day when the orders first went up. It got shipped to me in a bubble envelope, crushed, mm-hmm. as is often the case. So I'm a mint in box guy, so I sent it back, ordered a replacement. The second one they sent me crushed as well. Uh, this goes along with the fact that I also <laughs> ordered the Christian, you know, the Christian one, and that was destroyed. So I sent all these back, and I ended up at just biting the bullet and buying the Gargano one from Edward Bay, uh, and that's where I got mine. But... Uh, I, I mentioned on Ad Odds this week during our weekly purchase segment that my, my big purchase this week was the Slim Jim Macho Man San Diego exclusive. Yeah. So that I'm kind of pumped that I did that. I spent more money than I should have on it, but I am obsessive when it comes to condition and uh, had to spend up to get the condition for that. But uh, I'm happy. I'm gonna this week. You know, spoiler. It's gonna be a light, light, light week in weekly purchase. I had to tell myself to calm down for one week. Now, did you? Uh you got it uh, with it never seeing the light of day. Did you did you break the seal and open her up once you got them? No, no, it's it's in the detolf sealed. If I want to see what the figure looks like, I can do a quick Google image search. Uh, <laughs> nobody will ever see this one again. Uh, the poor the the children overseas that built this thing are the last ones that saw what it looks like. <laughs> oh uh, AJ Hawk, you got you had a couple figures in your trunk this weekend. Tell us about those. Uh, they've been in my trunk for a while. I think I haven't taken them out, but I don't have the offense cut up yet. But I've got the uh, Andre the Giant and Randy Cavett Drecklemania 3 figures with the cart. 
Oh, those are awesome. I actually just got the macho of that this week. I had the Andre already, but those are nice figures. Yeah, yeah I they're saw probably going to go on the play in the office once I get that cut up. Yeah, I saw them now, in the trunk, they, and I was like, oh, I should grab them. Are they getting displayed in box, or are you opening them up? Are you letting well, them they're, 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 getting, they're getting displayed in box. Okay, all right, because you're cool with me now. I was worried, because <laughs> those boxes are beautiful to display, like, without opening them. They have a very large window. Yeah, they're... they're yeah, most of the figures I get, if they get open and played with, I don't care. My son, Kevin, he wants to play with the wrestling figure. For the most part, I'm okay with that. But there are a few that I'm like, no, we're not touching these. Yeah. <laughs> I have literally one figure that I've opened in the last, I, I maybe since I was a child, like, playing with toys, like, properly playing with toys, like, as, like, an eight-year-old or whatever. One figure that I've opened in the last... 30 plus years and that is a broski retro figure that i actually have in my hand i use it as like a fidgeting thing when i'm doing a podcast but that's it it's literally I, everything else stays sealed no matter what i have like a little stand that i have a bunch of my uh elites and stuff that i opened when i was first starting to collect them like five six years ago and i like had them on a shelf nicely displayed and then i just like took them all down for a while and then I had them on my desk in here. And then like every once in a while, I like hit my leg on the desk and it would just knock them all over. So I had to move them oh. to a shelf with the display. And I have like, I just got my Tommy end in and I had to put him out with like his awesome fucking jacket with the horns on it. And uh, I haven't decided what I'm going to do with my, my new three, my three new figures, if I'm going to display them or not. But right now they're in box, but we'll see. Yeah, that is the curse of being a mint in box guy is that it takes up way more space. Like, I, I legit have a toy room. Uh, you know, a grown-ass man, I have a full room that has toys. But it's all just shelving with boxes. And it used to be that everything was displayed with the front of the box visible. Mm -hmm. But then you run out of things, so now you're showing the spine of the box. And right. now some stuff you just can't see anymore. Um, I definitely need to do a purge soon. But uh, there is benefits to having stuff on display it takes up a lot less space yeah i have uh i'm a marvel legends collector as well so i have like a whole wall of them in box on my uh actually right behind where my uh, monitor is and oh, right. uh i have another also on that same uh shelf i have the all the um fox movie figures that they released for the marvel legends like the wolverines the logan set the uh, Deadpool ones. I have all of those uh, spine showing because there's not enough room to, to front display them. And then I also have all the uh, Ninja Turtles figures from NECA that are the movie ones from the first film. I didn't buy any of the second uh, film figures, um, but I have all of the first film figures, including all the two packs and everything, all spine facing right now because I don't have room. So eventually I'm going to get some detolfs and I'm going to, uh, I found there's an awesome site that has like the backdrops that fit in them and they have like a turtle yeah. one, a Marvel legends one, and I'm going to get those and I'm going to take them all out of the boxes and display them properly. Once I get like a, a house or a condo or something. So yeah, I've seen uh, the backdrop guy, I think, is the person that you're speaking of with uh, does all the cool backdrops for Detolfs. And I want that ultimate Casey Jones that just went on sale from NECA. I don't know if you saw that. Yeah, yeah, he's I had the two pack with him and Raph in disguise. <laughs> now I have to get that one. And he's a Walmart exclusive, which means I'll probably never see him. I'll have to go to Edward Bay <laughs> and buy him there. So well, he was a Walmart exclusive, but uh, the way NECA does their exclusives is they pick a retailer that gets first rights okay. and they're exclusive for a couple months. And from what I'm hearing, that exclusivity, if that's the word, is expiring soon. Okay. So it's 
still won't be like super easy to find. It'll be like the Back to the Future Ultimates or most recently the boys, the Starland or Starlight and Homelander figures mm-hmm. that were Walmart exclusives, but now you can get them at Target, you can get them at Entertainment Earth. So hopefully those cases become more obtainable. Uh my target always has like all the NECA stuff. They nobody messes with NECA in this area. It seems like they all like I can never find a wrestling figure. I can never find Marvel Legends, but the NECA stuff is always there when I go to any of the targets in my area. So I don't know if the collectors just don't mess with them or what's going on. But my NECA things are always filled with all the all the best NECA figures. So hopefully I'll be able to get them there then because. I don't think I've ever yeah. seen them anywhere else. And like at the times I've gone to Walmart, they just, they never have any. Yeah. Walmart is a cesspool of toys, but if you see those Casey Jones in the wild, you give your boy a holler and uh, we'll work out a deal, <laughs> but I don't want to turn this entire podcast into a toy boy podcast. So <laughs> this is really honestly the first time we've super talked about toys on the show uh, for, for more than like a minute. So we can totally oh, let's uh, keep going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but uh, i'll definitely uh holler if i see that i'll give you a, we'll work out a little deal ski and uh you know we figure something yeah. out awesome appreciate it well since we don't have anything to really go with with what's on this week there uh one announcement made earlier today about some upcoming programming uh beyond wrestling uncharted territory return october 7th season three yeah and uh actually i have another big announcement that just hit IWTV just added AIW Wrestle Ranger 5 Fight to Survive, so you can actually check that out right now on demand, uh, which is one of the shows we were at this weekend. It was 90 degrees. There was $3 waters. It was like Woodstock 99 all over again. Not AIW's <laughs> fault. Love the AIW crew. Awesome show put on by them. Saw Justice climb a tree and jump out of it. Uh, all kinds of great stuff. Light tubes were used at this show. Check it out uh highly and recommend just destroyed my cooler yes uh jayhawk's cooler was hidden and justice found it and used it on kaplan as a weapon multiple times um i believe uh justin summers and his fiance's chairs were used as weapons uh by uh one mr matt justice he he was just a madman using all of our stuff so and i have to go i have to go and watch the show now and watch it sober but uh yeah it was uh it was pretty fun sober i thought it was all right i'm telling you though the best part to me was when ziggy was just motherfucking uh the fans she's she's hilarious i love her she's she's my favorite to watch right now she's just so good i haven't seen much of her other than the handful of aiw shows that i've been trying to get into more often you know between the one i went to going to major announcement a couple months ago and the stuff that joe has assigned for at odds homework mm-hmm. but yeah ziggy's awesome yeah she's she's a real bright like she's she's up and coming and she's gonna be i mean we, we've compared her to a lot of like classic valets and like she just she is just even better than them at this point she is so good she's next level she's awesome she's a sweetheart cool the weekly review and this week we are going back to september 6th 2015 and Chikara forgetting King of Trio 2015. This would be the third and final night of that uh, weekend trilogy, taking place at the Palmer Center in Eaton, Pennsylvania. And Adam brought up earlier he was there. Obviously, Butters and I were not. We watch it. We're watching this on IWTV uh, for the first time. I for at least for me, I'm, I'm hearing for you as well, Butter. Yeah, yeah. I, I uh, had trouble finding it at first, and I was like, "Well, I know it's on here because Adam sent me the picture of it, so I know it's here." Uh, but the search feature just wasn't working for me. So I had to literally go to the Chikara 
uh, promotion page and then like scroll through to find 2015. Yeah. Don't tell Jerry, but the search feature on the app is not the best. You can type in King of Trios and it'll give you like interspecies wrestling. You know, there's no rhyme or reason to it sometimes. And when you have to search by just scrolling, uh, sit back for a while. There's a lot of Chikara shows up there. Right. And Chikara is not exactly up at the top of the promotion page either. It's pretty far down there, at least on the TV app. So. Yeah, definitely. All right. So for those of you not familiar with King of Trio, get a three-day tournament featuring, obviously, trio matches, 16 teams for three in a single elimination tournament. And there are some great teams in this one. We're not going to get into all of them here. But, I mean, even, even looking at the four teams that made it to the semifinal for this show here, a lot of talent. And most of the talent that was on the earlier portion of the tournament are on the card at various point. Oh, the only person that was advertised that didn't make it to night three uh, that was in the tournament, because I remember I had said, oh, I want to watch the Bullet Club. I want to watch the BWO. I'm 90 percent sure Stevie Stevie Richards was with the BWO trios team. And because they were eliminated on one of the previous nights, it just ended up being the Blue Meanie and uh, Hollywood Nova. Uh, showing up for night three. So I was a little little salty that I didn't get to see Stevie again in person being a huge ECW guy. Let's go ahead and kick things off here with the first. Uh, well, actually, before the uh, first of the semifinal match, uh, we do get it. We do get the uh, opening done up in the Harry Potter theme, Harry Potter, Potter font for the King of Trio logo. I like the vibe. Jakarta does very good with their production, especially getting the opening and intro. Harry Potter, yeah, is that the one about the little wizard boy? <laughs> you can send your hate tweet to early underscore butter it's okay i've never seen a second of a harry potter movie so you can share your hatred with me so i i appreciate it i got the reference every time they popped it up on the screen after the 40th or 50th time that they put the graphics up and the harry potter-ish music i was like enough already but maybe if you're a huge harry potter fan you got a kick out of it i was just stealing a line from ron from uh, parks and rec that's all <laughs> <laughs> Okay, we go to our first of the two semifinal matches. It is the Devastation Corporation of Blaster McMackniv, Fleck Rumble Crunch, and Mac Master taking on the AAA team comprised of Aerostar, Drago, and Phoenix. Uh, Devastation, Corpora- Devastation Corporation t- name kind of all come like uh, intentional mispronunciation of Benedict Cumberbatch to me. I'm sorry. I was going to ask you to say them all three times real fast, but. Yeah, you, that, that's what you're getting out of me right now. <laughs> I absolutely love those names, like Blaster McMassive, Flex Rumble Crunch, and Max Smash Master. I've heard of Max Smash Master, uh, but the other guys, uh, I pop for like over the top names like that. And uh, Big Meaty Boy Slapping Meat, that was uh, it's a good looking team, you know. Yeah, they definitely have the size advantage going into this. So I was like, oh my. Yeah. Now, one thing that struck that struck me here, maybe it was just the way this was shot, but that ring looked huge. Uh, I honestly don't remember it being any larger or whatever. I mean, it was a large venue, so maybe they did have a larger ring. We'll have to do a phone a friend to Joe and ask him about that. But, you know, maybe it, it was pretty large for an indie ring. I don't know. Maybe that can't, I mean, the WWE ring is 20 by 20. Maybe they can just a 20 by 20 ring, but that, it, just, it looked like a, a giant ring. I yeah, and, and it was weird. And they also, like you mentioned, shotting, shooting it differently. The the ring was kind of at an angle in the venue, so there wasn't really a flat hard cam side, if that makes sense. So like all the uh, the aisles going through the seats were going in different angles from the ring. So uh, it, it could have just been disorienting because of the angles, you know. Yeah, that's what I'm th- that's what I'm thinking honestly. Just, just because of how big it big it looked and 
Like, I didn't notice anybody, like, working differently than they would have. So that's what I was thinking, but just that's the one thing that stuck, struck out right at the beginning. Yeah. One thing uh, that sticks out to me is that you had on this match, and commentary comes into play a lot on this show as you go on watching it, but for the first match, Leonard F. Jakarson does his best Joey Styles solo commentary, and he explains that there's no Ultramantis Black, Sidney Bacabella, or Bryce Remsburg because of what had happened in the previous nights of the show. And obviously I'm a huge Mantis Mark, I'm a huge Sidney Mark, I love Bryce. And hearing that now in 2021, I'm thinking to myself, if those three were on this Chikar show, I might have became like a Chikar super fan, and I'd be like completely different at this point. That's kind of like going to like a 1980s WWF show and they're not being Macho, Heenan, and Hebner, you know? So it's like I was deprived of them because of a storyline injury for the three of them. Yeah, Bryce not being there definitely sticking out like a sore thumb, and Bryce was pretty much at every Chikar show. Yeah, and I guess one of the confusing things... Um, as being a fan in the crowd is when Phoenix came out, the crowd was chanting, we forgive you, we forgive you. And because we were seated, uh, like, obviously I was there with Todd. I was there, uh, with people that weren't huge Chikara fans. So I wasn't able to just ask, why are they chanting, please forgive you? But I, or we forgive you chance, but I guess Phoenix had cursed during one of the previous nights. And that was explained on commentary by Joe that, uh, you know, obviously Chikara is a, fr- a family friendly show. So... He eventually apologized for it as well. Oh, see, that makes sense. Okay. The audio on my uh, TV, like, I, I can't hear Joe's commentary for a lot of the matches. I even, I have it turned up loud. I don't really know what's going on with it. So I just wasn't sure what was going on and why they were, why he had to apologize. But I was like, okay, I'm sure it was nothing. I was like, maybe he missed his flight and missed a show. I don't know. Yeah. Well, it's funny because like I mentioned commentary comes into this. So obviously for the first match, Joe's by himself. I'm sorry, Leonard's by himself. For the second match, Leonard is joined by Scott Jagged Parker. And then the third match, there's no commentary for a while. And I was going to make the joke that this was the match that I called and they had to edit it because it was so bad. <laughs> but eventually Joe came on halfway through it saying that they were having technical difficulties. And Gavin Loudspeaker, who had been doing, you know, announcing and i assume commentary for the other two nights his voice was shot but he was he was powering through uh he should have just let joe call it on his own for a little while and until eventually uh quack joined him for the the last two matches i believe yeah he uh his voice was real bad at one point like i was like oh my goodness he's like and then he gets on like does announcing and it sounds fine i'm like how does he sound so bad on commentary but his announcing is just like oh it's crazy I think it's a different gear, a different uh, level you dig down into if you're going to be out in front of people shouting. I don't know. But he definitely, at one point, Leonard uh, says to him, he's like, Gavin, I got this. It's picked up on microphone. But he doesn't (laughs) look. (laughs) But, I mean, as far as this match goes, I mean, this match was fine. It was probably the first half of it was Devastation Corporation just beating the hell out of Ray Phoenix, uh, which is surprising because Phoenix hasn't, had it notoriously no-showed anywhere at this point, you know, in time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyways, uh, they beat the hell out of Phoenix for a while until eventually the AAA guys start getting an offense and they get the win to advance to the finals later in the show. Uh, it was fine for what it was. When I saw this live, I didn't really, didn't really care. I didn't know any of the guys. Watching it now, I'm like, oh, I recognize Ray Phoenix. I recognize the names of some of these guys. Still didn't really pop me huge rewatching it. It was it was fine, you know. 
And yeah, match is fine. Uh, the Lucha rule come into play, but there's no hot tag with Phoenix getting the crap kicked out of him. He just ends up going out of the ring and Aerostar comes in. That's the one downside to the Lucha rule. The kill comes the drama of the hot tag. But yeah, yeah. perfectly perfectly fine match, though. We do get a bunch of dive. Phoenix getting a twisting plancha being the highlight of the dive kick went. Uh, Aerostar ends up pinning Blaster McMackey for the win with a crucifix, Kevin 15. Good enough opener. And the kid. The, that one down kind of a tournament like this is because guys are wrestling multiple times. Sometimes the earlier matches on the card do end up being a little bit shorter. I felt like they could have used a couple more minutes, but yeah, I kind of felt that's where they were going with this. Like why the, the, this match and the next one, we're going to be kind of short was because we're going to get a really crazy main event match out of them. So just do a short one to get to the main. So, yeah, I, I didn't feel like it was too long. Uh, I, I knew going into it when I went to this show, to be honest with you, I was like, all right, where's Bullet Club? And I'm like, all right, this first match, none of you are Bullet Club. Get out of the ring. Give me Bullet Club. <laughs> and then when the Bullet Club wrestled in their first match, I was like, all right, fast forward to the end for more Bullet Club. I was not giving anybody a chance in my head. But obviously with 2021, Adam, knowing what I know now and liking a lot of these guys, uh, you know, like I, I, I look back at this match or this show much more fondly. Speaking of the Bullet Club, they are in our second match here. The other semifinal in the King of Trio. Listen to this lineup. The Bullet Club team is the Young Buck and AJ Styles. They're taking on Team Fight Club Pro of Daniel Maloney, Trent Kevin, and Tyler Bate. Hot damn. Yeah, this is crazy because I mentioned that I was looking at the match listing on uh, Jerry's Internet Wrestling Emporium, and I'm starting to take my notes, and I just write down Bullet Club versus Team Fight Club or Team Fight Club Pro. I have no idea who that is. And as I'm watching the show, I'm like, holy shit, I know who Tyler Bate and Trent Seven are, you know, and obviously they were called Mustache Mountain back then. And I mean, I assume they mentioned on commentary that Tyler Bate's 18 years old at that point. Who knows, kayfabe brother, if that's true. But like him, as well as Pete Dunn later in the night, all look like they're 12, you know, and this is a decade before, you know, they were on national TV for that company that nobody thinks exists, NXT UK. So... I was very, very surprised when I saw them come out to face the Bucks. And uh, again, I, I'm just shocked that I have no memory of, of seeing them. Like, I would have never <laughs> thought that I went to a show that had Heidi Lovelace on it, that had Tyler Bates and Pete Dunn and Trent Seven and, and more on that as we go along. But yeah, that's a huge lineup right there for a second match. I believe Tyler Bate uh, being 18 at the time was legit. And, I, and he would have had to have been at least 18 to wrestle in the state of Pennsylvania. That's the one rule that the athletic commission still have because I don't blade. Yeah, like but, my my first AIW show had AJ Styles on it. So the whole reason I went was to see him because it was like super close to me. And then also had Tyler Black on it and a bunch of other like super big names on it uh, that are in WWE now. And it's funny to think, oh, yeah, I did see them at one point, but I never would have remembered it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You need to start like taking one of those like journals to like Ed does to like in your phone of just rating every match that you see. So you can be like, oh, all right, I saw that. I did that last year uh, with the intentions of having like an actual like official list of like my favorite matches of the year. And uh, with COVID ruining everything, it became like a very mild list of like maybe 20 matches instead of like everything I probably would have gotten if if there was no COVID. So, all right, there's always next year. Yeah, I mean, this year's had some really great stuff in it, but uh, hopefully we just keep powering through and uh, get into next year and get, get everything going because there's, there's lots of stuff I'm waiting on that uh, I can't wait to see. So, 
But yeah. back to this show. This is another match that I think could have been given more time, as as Jayhawk said with the opener, just because of the fact that I wanted more of Seven and Bait and Maloney. Maloney, who I don't really know, but still, uh, I just feel like this was another one where they were saving the Bullet Club for the main event, you know, and to also uh, free up time for the Giants like gauntlet tournament that they were going to have later on in the night. What's really cool yeah. about this too is that there's like an ongoing storyline here with AJ Styles that uh, I wouldn't have known about unless I had seen it talked about a bunch online. Where apparently in one of the first nights of the tournament, he like tripped up on the ropes doing his springboard clothesline or springboard elbow, and uh, so then he turned it into like a gimmick where like every match he was like teasing that he was gonna do it and then like he didn't and then like he did went to do it in the main event messed up again and like yeah so that was really cool and like i re i realized once i saw the ring and like saw this match i was like oh wait i think i know about this like this is him doing that whole like storyline where he doesn't like doing the top rope and the ropes aren't done right and da 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 that he was saying so it's pretty cool yeah one of the one of the best things about going to an indie show or even watching one after the fact on IWTV is the interaction from the crowd. So like you hear the crowd yelling to AJ, how are the ropes? And he goes and gives him a shake and he's like, they're a little too slippery today. Like, why is there slippery tape on them? Right. <laughs> but you know, he, had, he had fallen down previously. Uh, so obviously he was reticent to do the phenomenal forearm again. And at one point after, I don't know if it was in the main event or during this one, when there was the spot where the Bucks were tripping all over themselves and AJ messed up the forearm attempt again, uh, he powdered to the outside and he literally yelled out, like, I hate lucha ropes, you know? Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, it was the main event. It was know? so funny. I was, yeah. I was laughing so yeah. hard. <laughs> but as I'm sure Jayhawk's going to say, I mean, this, this match, again, very short. Uh, you had ball jackson starting off against tyler bates tyler Bates does one of the slowest swings like a cesaro swing with one of the bucks on his shoulders like uh if he was going any slower he would have been standing still um but the bullet club ends up winning the match via the Meltzer driver which uh to a 35 year old adam back in 2015 that was the coolest thing ever seeing a Meltzer driver in person <laughs> Yeah, yeah as blew up the giant swing airplane pin combo wall the fact that he was able to do that a guy that guy swinging two people around like even with cooperation i can practice as hell yeah i would say you need a couple more rpms on that spin that's all <laughs> tone it up a bit it's your only match of the night put your back into it yeah kevin minutes can eight seconds the time of the match go so again not very long at all definitely i i if i kind of wish this would have been the final because that guy could have gotten to 15 minutes yeah, uh, obviously I had a horse in the race when I was watching this, so I was happy with the outcome, especially not knowing who the opponents were. But I, I wouldn't mind have having seen more of this from this era. Okay, go from there. We have a pre-taped promo from the Gentleman's Club. Uh, the key of this is Chuck Taylor tells Quant Monster that there will be a murder if the Quant Monster hugs Jervin Cottonbelly. <laughs> and that leads to our next matchup here. It is an eight-person tag team match as part of the Challenge of the Immortal. Team of Crown and Court. Uh, that team uh, can continue up Princess Kimberly, Driven Cottonbelly, and Loke Ice Cream. Taking mm -hmm. on the Gentleman's Club, Chuck Taylor, Drew Gulak, Orange Cassidy, and the Quant Monster. Uh, the Challenge of the Immortal was a series of eight person teams, and they would sometimes be single matches, sometimes tag, sometimes trio matches. Kind of a round robin format. You got one point for a win, nothing for a loss. And the winning team 
each member of that team would get a golden opportunity, which was basically a match of their choice. Of if they want a title match against somebody, they could get it. If they want a grudge match or a current stipulation match, they could get it, whatever they wanted. I'd be lying if I said I knew what the golden opportunity wound up being. I should should have emailed Joe before this, but oh well. Yeah. <laughs> this is one of those matches I alluded to at the beginning where I said if I had known at the time what I was watching, I would have looked back at this event with so much more fondness because I am one of the biggest Orange Cassidy marks on the planet. And when I saw him in 2015, I didn't give a shit. And it's not a knock on him. It's just I didn't know who he was. I didn't know who 99% of the people on this show were, so I didn't get the shtick, which we talk about on Ad Odds a lot, is that if you are just kind of really quick tuning in, you see Orange Cassidy, you might not really know what the heck is going on with the slow kicks or the nonchalant attitude. So it's as somebody going to their first indie show in forever, like I was when I went to see this, Orange Cassidy didn't even move the radar for me. Uh, Same thing with Drew Gulak, same thing with Chuck Taylor. But now I'm like, holy shit, that's the Gentleman's Club. And I was so pumped for that promo. And when I was watching, it was like, I'm seeing them all, you know, before they were fully cooked. And I'm, I'm so happy about this. Yeah, well, this is being pretty fun here. I, I, the the storyline, the main storyline is Plump Monster comparing affection for Driven Cotton Belly. Mm-hmm. They're comparing they're, they're their prick and Kimberly tells Plump Monster, oh, you're cute and fluffy. Give me a hug. And yeah. Monster walked right on past her and kicked a German cotton belly can. Yeah, I mean, Kimberly wants the romance of Swamp Monster. Swamp Monster, Monster wants Jervis. This match is really just all about unrequited love. You know, if you really look at it underneath all of its layers, that's what this is all about. <laughs> but I was just going to say also, like, I mentioned this is a not quite fully cooked version of Orange Cassidy. You have Chuck Taylor kind of doing some of the Orange Cassidy offense with, like, a death-defying dive to the outside. Um, I just really like this match. Again, it's just one of those things where it was the nostalgia of, oh man, I can't believe I, I, I was there and I don't remember any of this. Uh, I want to just throw this out in case it comes into play later on in the show. Uh, if I say like, oh, I really like this masked wrestler who is, uh, you know, in this match, I want you to just know that that is based on what they did on this show because I have no idea who's underneath any of these masks. So if I'm like, oh man, I really like this person's match, I hope you don't think that I like whoever the potentially canceled person underneath the mask is. I just wanted to throw that out right now because everybody knows it's already been exposed. Uh, the Los Ice Cream under the mask is Steve Martin and Martin Short. So I'm not ruining anything there. But when if it comes up later on in the show, if I accidentally say I like somebody, it's just based on the match alone. Yeah, and I, and I tried to find out who Swamp Monster was to no avail. Oh. The finish of this match has Orange Cassidy spitting the the orange mist into his opponent's uh, face, and basically uh, it does the double clothesline on Los Ice Cream. I'm sorry, not was it double clothesline or double choke slam? I think double choke slam because Joe made the comment about the Undertaker. But uh, I don't know, man. I enjoyed this a lot because it was a pleasant surprise. Yeah, yeah I, I I do love some of the stuff that you mentioned. Uh, yeah, Taylor's depthifying dive. I, what I love about the Chikara crowd is they're in on it. They get it. Yeah. If Chuck Taylor does the world's lowest dive to the outside and the crowd chanting, holy poop, holy poop. Yeah. <laughs> like, 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 like stuff like that. Stuff like that just tickles me. Uh, we do get a swamp monster hitting a rock bottom, but when they went monster go for the swamp people, elbow gets stopped with a cold stone thunder from one of the ice cream. Mm-hmm. I fucking popped huge for the name of that move. That's fucking great. Yeah. Yeah. 
Taylor stops the Quant Monster from escaping Drew Gulak from Cumbrick and then getting caught by a Hurricane Rana from Kimberly for the pin. 15 minutes and 20 seconds. Yeah, fun stuff here. Yeah. And in between Gavin Loudspeaker gasping for air on commentary on this match, like Leonard F. Jakarson says, one of the greatest and most truest lines in wrestling commentary, and, and that is that Orange Cassidy doesn't even like wrestling. And if I had just known that at the time, I would have been more of a fan, you know, five, six years ago. And maybe if if Curtin, former manager slash podcaster, had heard that line, they would get the gimmick better. But yeah, <laughs> well, fuck that guy. Who cares about what he yeah. thinks? <laughs> okay, so we go from there to the tag team gauntlet match with the quote unquote surprise number of team. And basically, you're going to earn points toward a tag team title shot with each elimination because three elimination earned you the tag team title shot. Uh, Again, the commentary continues to go in and out during this match as well. I would have honestly just redone the commentary at post at this point. I don't think it aired live. You could have redone the commentary for the DVD. I'm surprised, you know, and I'll have to ask Joe when I talk to him. I'm surprised that somebody else wasn't available because obviously Bryce, at least for kayfabe purposes, wasn't there. So you couldn't have him come out if even if he was backstage. Uh, at some point, grab somebody else. I know Eddie Kingston was there. I saw him like at the gimmick table during one of the cuts. Uh, you know, obviously a member of 3.0, uh, Jagged was on commentary earlier. Have Quackenbush out there earlier. Have somebody else join him on commentary. Have Dash or Hatfield do it after, you know, the, the gauntlet, you know, his portion of the gauntlet. There's a lot of guys that I've seen or heard on commentary on Shakara that could have very easily joined that booth. Because, as you mentioned, it was, it was getting bad, you know? I'm not, I'm not even I'm not even necessarily talking about somebody else going out there. I mean, if you're having the, those kind of technical difficulties where the commentary is not showing up at all. Okay, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I, I don't believe that we're going to IPPV. I could be wrong on that. But if it's not on a, a live IPPV, redo the commentary on Pope for the DVD release. I'm sure you could have arranged for Joe and somebody else to show up to show up and redo a couple of matches. Yeah, that's true, because there was a couple times, like I mentioned earlier, there were, there just wasn't commentary for a while. And the beginning of this gauntlet match had that as well. I will say that the Dasher and Mr. Touchdown, as somebody who had no knowledge of Chikara going into this, they stood out to me. They were some of the few people that prior to this rewatch, I was like, okay, I remember Dasher Hatfield and Mr. Touchdown being on this. I remember the boar. I remember Lois Ice Cream. So they just for whatever it was, the presentation, maybe being a sports fan, them being in the gauntlet was uh, memorable to me. Uh, And uh, before you get on to kind of breaking this down, I will say that old... This is my old man complaining bit. If you're going to have a 70 man, you know, 70 team gauntlet match, which is what it felt like at times, don't try to tell a story during the match, like an opening match, like no false finishes. Just get your shit in and move on to the next team. You know, because this first match, as much as I love, love, love Dasher Hatfield, uh, this went on for a while. Yeah, so the, t- the 10 team in the order they came out were the throwback, Dasher Hatfield and, and Mr. Touchdown. The Genetic Grasshopper and B-Boy. I, I, yeah, those are real wrestler names. <laughs> it doesn't seem out of place on a Chikara show, though. I, I didn't ban an eyelash now watching this no. again. No. Yeah. Argic and Mascara Purpura. Yep. The BWO team of the Blue Mini and Nova. And who actually came out at Simon Dean for some reason, which... <laughs> well, the, resi- the resistance bands came into the finish, so that's why he had to do a gimmick change. I guess. Yeah. So after the BWO was 3.0, then we had Pete Dunn and Flash Morgan Webster, followed by the Ethereum Portal Battleborn, which is Lucas Calhoun and Michael Holt Man. We'll get into that in a little bit. Mm-hmm. The Colony Extreme Force of Arctic Rescue Ant and Orbit Adventure Ant. 
And then the BDK team of Knockin and Pinky Sanchez. I'm just throwing out the order there because I would not go. Uh, I wasn't going to like go real detailed in my local. Here comes this team. No, here comes this team. No, I just kind of wrote them down separately. But yeah, no, right on. So I had mentioned that there were some pleasant surprises in here for me. Uh, for those people that don't listen to At Odds with Wrestling, and shame on you if you don't, but Joe assigns me homework assignments to watch due to my ignorance of indie wrestling and most wrestling throughout time. So a lot of the stuff that he focuses on is Chikara, and it's Chikara from before this time period. It's like pre-shutdown Chikara. So I see a lot of these guys in the homework, you know, like your dashers, your, your random ants. Uh, and one of the biggest things that I've become a fan of from doing the homework is 3.0. And I mean, Everrise rules, 3.0 rules, the show rules. Everybody knows that. So when I saw 3.0 come out, I was super, super excited for that. Uh, that led, and I know I'm jumping around, we can go back, obviously. But that leading to the thumb wrestling battle between <laughs> Jagged and Mimini. And Joe slash Leonard coming out wearing the baggiest pair of jeans I've ever seen in the history of band to, to kind of like moderate it, to announce it in the ring. Uh, it was hilarious and awesome in person. It was amazing re-watching it, especially now being a huge 3.0 fan. But that's one of those things, along with like Pete Dunn, who's in the uh, the next team that comes out, that I'm like, holy shit, I saw these guys back then, and I have no recollection of it, so I feel bad. But at the same time, I'm glad that I'm re-watching it now. Yeah, the, uh, yeah, that, that. the, the thumb wrestling spot was so great, especially with like the double team and like all the yeah. stuff they fit into it. I was dying. It was so good. <laughs> The referee checking Meanie's arm, he had given it the three Yeah, yeah, like he was like passed out, out from the submission. <laughs> yeah. Well, even, even, even before that, when uh, Meanie and Simon Dean first come out in the throwback render, they start playing two on two football with them, too. Like, yeah, yeah, I think that like uh, that's something that I've seen them do in Shakar a lot. And, you know, over the last year or two, watching it for the podcast. But at the time, Back in 2015, when I was watching, I was probably I was too cool for school at the time. You know, being a club alone, being like a bullet club fan, I was probably like, "Who are they doing stupid throwing football? Go back and wrestle." You know, I was I was a jerk. But uh, now watching, I was like, "Oh, okay." The the throwbacks do that stuff all the time. Yeah, if if you know what Shakara is, and that you realize, like, okay, that could not out of play. It's all right. No, not at all. Not at all. It almost seems as normal as a hip toss at that point. Like if I was watching the Chikara show with uh, a normie, somebody that like doesn't watch Chikara or wrestling, uh, they would have a lot of questions that I would now have to answer. So the the torch has been passed on. Meanie did uh, hit a clothesline at one point and and busted one of uh, 2.0 open as well. 3.0 open uh, like busted his mouth real good. No, I didn't even notice that. Yeah, it looked pretty rough. And then like. The next match didn't go very long after, like, between them and uh, Pete Dunn and uh, his tag partner. Like, uh, oh, I like him, too. What's his name? Uh, Flash Morgan Webster. Yes. Yes. Uh, it didn't go super long after that, either, because was, I was like, oh, he must have been really hurt, because it was it was real quick. I'm, I'm just like an aside, like a minor pet peeve, but it really kind of annoyed me that 3.0 gets back into non WWE wrestling and now they're 2.0 like you should be 4.0 like you you're, you should be improving not regressing but that's yeah I, honestly i kind of wish they were just called the show you know because the show rules and 
I, they wear the show on their gear, and I, I'm not the right person to ask that question to. There's better people to, to wonder. But I, as a fan, I do agree with you. Like, if you are upgrading, you know, uh, 3.0 should go to 4.0, or at the very least, the show. But what do I know? I want to throw out real quick here before, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on in this this gauntlet match, but obviously the 3.0 BWO stuff, the throwbacks is like the highlights for me. But again, having watched a lot of Chikar for Add Odds, a lot of those early matches are just Colony versus Swarm, Colony versus Swarm, you know, what color ant versus what color evil ant. So I'm kind of going numb to all of those things until I saw Colony Extreme Force come out. And I, like, went through the roof over just, again, I love silly shit. So, Arctic Rescue Ant and Orbit Adventure Ant. I literally have in my notes, holy shit. Like, they, uh, Orbit Adventure Ant comes out with the space helmets, and Arctic Rescue Ant has a snowboard, and they're walking, like, slow motion. I loved every second of that. And I remember having seen this thing in person, the whole thing was... It was, I didn't need commentary to put over the fact that Missile Assault Man used to be Missile Assault Ant. I think that's pretty obvious. But uh, obviously the, the big storyline, the big lore of this entire gauntlet thing is Kevin Condren doing a murder on Space Adventure Ants. Uh, because I guess at the time, a lot of the Chikar Ants were getting murdered. Um... And maybe because I, I heard from the grapevine that there was going to be like a play on Blackest Night, the DC comic book storyline, where they were all going to come back as like evil zombies, because why not? It's Shikara. But the fact that there was, there was legitimately a murder done uh, on these awesome colony extreme forces were just huge pops for me. And part of that story, of course, after Orbit Adventure and basically get murdered in the ring, McLeod Man refused to do a further attack and basically become McLeod Ant again, like right before our eyes. Yeah, but yeah, the, like, brainwash the brainwashing no longer works. I mean, he he didn't contribute to the assault, but he didn't stop the murder from happening. So I don't right. know if that was a full reform or not. You know, like help your boy out. Don't let him get that uh, whatever that was like a a weird choke slam onto a knee breaker thing. It was a pretty sick finish. I like it. Yeah, but he, he prevented a second murder from happening, though, if they want him to go after Arctic Requiem after that point, and he wouldn't do it. Yeah, no, that's true. And, and as far as the last team coming out, the BDK, I just want to say that's not my BDK. When I hear that whistle theme, I want Jakob Hammermeyer coming out, or I want Tim Donst, but uh, I guess these other guys will do, but not my BDK. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's no way we're going to go over everything that happened in this match. No. I'm not even going to pretend to try. I think we hit all the high points. Anybody have any further thought on that before we... Before we move on. Nope. No, I think they, they, like I mentioned before, I think they gave a little bit too much time to B-Boy and Genetic grass, <laughs> Grasshopper. <laughs> um, although I did enjoy when uh, Dasher slaps uh, B-Boy in the ass and gets stung in the hand. I think that, again, Chikar classic stuff. But uh, it, was a, it was a fun gauntlet. It picked up as it went along. <laughs> and so the BDK win uh, when Pinky Kenshuk ends up pinning Luka Calhoun. 42 minutes and 53 seconds from the opening bell to the cloaking bell. That does count the time in between the individual match of where guy coming to the ring. So probably, probably the realistically about 30 minutes of action in that 43 minute, which is still a lot. Yeah. Uh, we do have um, them, them checking Orbit Adventure Ant in the back, trying to you know, keep him alive. <laughs> and from there, we go to, to a promo from the proletariat boar of Moldova about his match with Heidi Lovelace, which is next. Yeah, for the Young Lions Cup, 
Heidi Loveless, again, this is another example of somebody that I had no idea I was seeing, you know, future, uh, future big time star. Uh, future star of the indies coming up soon and, and much more versus somebody that I like to consider a buddy of mine the proletariat board of Moldova funny story I took with my phone maybe five or six pictures at this show and obviously uh, you know you don't have great cameras so they're not great pictures back then it's funny to say back then six years ago but you know I snap a picture of the bullet club getting the streamers thrown in I snapped a picture of I think the swamp monster of all things. Just again, I don't know what's going on. I'm snapping pictures of goofy shit to send my buddies. And one of the other pictures that I took was of the proletariat boar of Moldova. And, you know, take those pictures. They're in my camera roll. You move on. Never look at it again. How often do you scroll through pictures from, you know, six years ago? And the funny story is, like, for whatever reason, you know, as the years went by from podcasting, from going to uh, LVAC shows and other stuff, you know, obviously I got to know the boar, and I just started scrolling through my camera gallery at a random other time, and I'm like, holy crap, that's the boar. Who's he wrestling? Oh, he's wrestling Ruby Soho. He's wrestling uh, Ruby Riot, you know? Uh, so it was a big surprise that, like, I was just, this guy popped me years before I knew him. And kudos to Chikar for hashtag booking the boar, you know, so good on them. Yeah, this match here, it, really, it's almost like a squash. Boar dominates most of the match. Yeah. And, and he hits a gore and gets the, the whole, oh, I got this speed, I'm just going to lie back on her. And she gets the crucifix for the pin in 8.03. Uh, but out of eight minutes, I think probably six minutes of it with boar on offense. I'm really kind of surprised. Yeah. I was surprised as well, just having not known what their positions were in the company at the time. I know Boar was just a baby Boar at the time, so, uh, you know, there's maybe you can expect now with looking back on it why he didn't win the cup. But I have a, a game for you guys. It's just something that maybe you want to throw out some guesses. I make it a point now, and this is Joe Sposto's fault, but I make it a point to count how many times the Boar leaves his feet during a match. So I have a tally here. And there are four separate columns here, just for clarity's sake, there, with a number next to it. I have, he was rolled up X amount of times, and obviously you mentioned the final pin, so I count that as a roll-up. And a roll-up's really not a bump. You know, you're not, you're just, maybe it's a schoolboy, something like that. You're not taking a full bump. Uh, I have offensive maneuvers, so if you're hitting a gore, you know, you're hitting the ground, you're leaving your feet, but that's not really a bump. Uh, I have pinning attempts. And then I have an actual proper bump where you're thrown to your back or your face with force. So I won't ask you to guess on all of them, but in this eight minute match, how many times do you think the boar, to his credit, bumped in this match? I'm going to say, I got a couple of near falls on there. I will go with three. I'm gonna go okay, with five. Say th By my official counts, not counting roll-ups, which he was rolled up three times, not counting offensive maneuvers where he left his feet, which was four times, and not counting times when he tried to do a pin attempt, which was three times. The boar left his feet and bumped a total of two times the entire eight-hour, eight-minute match. Oh, I was going to say two as well, just to beat his three. Damn it. <laughs> yeah, one time uh, Heidi did a flying crossbody uh, from the top rope, so that was a bump, because the boar was forced onto his back, but again, you know, not, not the most vicious of bumps, uh, the final one towards the end of the match, Heidi hit what looked like a destroyer, and that was a bump uh, by my scoring as well, so for my official scoring, two bumps in the eight-minute match, and, uh, 
If uh, the board is listening, I say that's two bumps too many. You got to get those numbers down. Those <laughs> numbers. Okay, uh, kind of unrelated here, but since you brought up, since you brought up doing a few bumps impossible, which is smart. I'm especially for a guy, a guy like the boar. He's nearly seven feet tall. He needs to cut those bumps out of his repertoire. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I, I worked one of the Dropkick Diabetes show out here, and I was actually refereeing a six-man tag that had both Tommy Dreamer and Rhino in it. And that was right before they were redoing the brand split, like 2016. Okay. So they're going over the match in the back, and Rhino goes, you know what, I'm not bumping tonight. I don't feel like bumping. Mm-hmm. Now, at this point, Rhino's working for NXT, and Dreamer at least got some kind of job in the WWE office. And he goes, well, you know, you do realize that they are bringing over, like, people from NXT on this draft coming up, right? And Rhino go, ah, hell, maybe a bump. <laughs> the last thing I want to throw out for this match uh, is that the only thing more unsettling than having to watch Heidi rob the boar of a victory is seeing a babyface Icarus at ringside. Ugh, Icarus as a babyface should not be. He is a he's a natural heel. He's a he's a born heel. And he just looks goofy out there, smiling and cheering somebody on. From there, we get a quick Mark Andrew promo regarding his opponent Shinron. And it is Mark Andrews against Shinron to determine the Rey de Voladore, which is the King of the High Flyers. So, of course, the first three to four minutes of the match is Matt Reckling, King of the High Flyers. <laughs> that would probably be my one nitpick about this show and how, how long it took to actually get some high flying, determining the King of the High Flyers. But then we get a lot of high flying in the second half of the match, but it doesn't end up working out. Yeah, when they get to it, they make up for the lack of it at the beginning. And I just want to say that the trophy slash plaque uh, that was presented to the winner of this match. After seeing that, I kind of feel bad I didn't pay to get into the show. I just want to say that again. They <laughs> 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 really used a couple more bucks. That that trophy was weak. But as a man of a short attention span, I didn't really care for the match back then. And then during this rewatch, I mean, it was a good match. It was impressive. It was a lot of high flying. But like, I it maybe if you're in person it's it's more impressive i'm just kind of desensitized to high spot slash high spot high spot high spot and that's what this match devolved into yeah and that, that would, and that would, and that is i agree with you on that point here like i enjoyed it for what it was at the same time it became a long show at this point yeah <laughs> I, I i think the placement kind of killed them i think that would have been better in the first half of the show at least before the gauntlet i think it would have been a i mean a trim a couple minutes off of it and have it be the opener you know, instead of the Devastation Corporation versus AAA, uh, or even between the two semifinals, you know, so you're not opening with trios match, trios match, something like that. Having it this late, I, I get it, it's tough when you're doing tournaments, you have to give people a certain amount of time to rest, but yeah, I agree, both live and re-watching it, I was like, oh, let's get to the finals already. I want Andrew getting the pin with a beautiful shooting star press in 10 minutes and 3 seconds. They do the post-match handshake where they each get their plaque and really kind of tense, like Shinron's going to do something, but he ends up not doing it. Yeah. And then we get to our main event, the final of the 2015 King of Trio Tournament, Team AAA against the Bullet Club. And this was insane right from the beginning. Yeah, going into this again, I was rooting for the Bullet Club the entire time. Uh, obviously, things didn't work out, pal. Uh, it ended up being Team AAA winning this. But... Like any time I have to review a show for a podcast, my notes get less and less detailed as we go on. So I don't have much for this. I do have the fact that we mentioned earlier, this is when AJ falls off the top rope and starts ropes. Uh, but I think the storyline for this was that AAA, Team AAA, was a team of people that weren't originally a team, if that makes sense. Like they're rivals and, you know, 
people that wrestle at AAA where, versus the Bullet Club obviously is this well-oiled machine. These guys that have been champions all over the world, travel the roads with each other. But for some reason, they keep making mistakes. And it was put over well on commentary. This is very much unlike the Bullet Club. Right. So much so that you get to the spot where they're tripping all over each other and just shit's going off the rails. But I also loved when Styles finally does hit the phenomenal forearm and the crowd goes nuts. Like, like not because, oh, it was a great impressive maneuver, but just like, yeah, he finally did it, right. you know, because he's been <laughs> selling it so much that he can't get it done. But... I, I love this finale. Uh, in 2015, I hated the fact that the uh, the Bullet Club lost, but now rewatching it, I'm like, oh, it's a really good match. Uh, I forget which one of the luchas has the dragon tail. Oh, probably the one named like Dragon, right? Yeah, um, yeah, Drago. Yeah, but they were selling the fact that like they were working his tail, and I always like a good bit of tail abuse in in my wrestling. So uh, that is another spot that jumped out at me, but. I like the finish, or I like the final match of this show. Um, but go ahead. I'm sorry to keep talking. Yeah, my one big gripe with with the with the young buck and a come gonna play in this match, they were like go heavily on the fucking kick. Well, right? and and it get the pop throughout the match. Go like it worked for this particular show, but then in both teams just kick, 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 kick. Like God damn it, fucking get some variety in here. <laughs> After, I, after 10 or 12 minutes of of everybody kicking each other, just, yeah, I don't want a game or kick. Yeah, that's all you're going to get from the, the Bucks around this era. And I had joked when I went to IWTV 100 last month that the super kick has been replaced by the cutter in indie wrestling. Mm -hmm. If you watch an indie wrestling show, you'll just see a cutter party where everybody's like dropping diamond cutters on everybody. Uh, so the era of the super kick might be retired, especially now that Vince won't let you slap your leg. So now you're just going to see people like the Bucks, like the next generation, just landing cutters repeatedly or V triggers. That's another one. There was one spot I really did like uh, where Team AAA, each guy had a commission on another guy. And somehow AJ was actually able to break up the other two commissions while he was still caught in his. Yeah, he was like in an abdominal stretch type deal where he still was able to walk around. But that was a cool spot. And I wound up being Phoenix getting a springboard 350 on one of the buck for the pin in 1502. And then, of course, we get the calibration and the post-show promo to close out the show. But yeah, this was a really good main event for the most part. If you cut the kick out, it's probably a five-minute match. But <laughs> yeah, but I did, I did enjoy it. I don't think I'm shitting on the match when I say that. I'm not. Just I'm going to criticize something if, if it needs criticize. It's just fun yeah. to look back too, if you think about it. You know, we the the last show we did was from what 2011, uh, and opened with the Bucks, and then you go to this match, which closes with the Bucks in 2015, and the fact that that's all they are is kicks in this one. Where in that one they did it once, one time towards the end of the match, and that was it. So it's fun to yeah. see that comparison. Like they did so much more athletic stuff in that other match uh to where they just kind of simplified it and kept it simple and just did kicks because that's what people wanted to see at the time so i mean i guess yeah. it's smart on them as much as like we look at it now and we're like oh this is dumb it's like yeah well you know they probably saved their body a bunch not doing all the athletic shit they did so yeah definitely like as a fan at the time i didn't care they could have done 100 super kicks and i never lost interest in it you know again yeah. i have more discerning taste now so uh, I, I would say that I, I agree wholly with you guys that it's it, it's it's nice to see a little bit more from them. But uh, I will say also, I don't know the exact timeline, but as a Bullet Club fan going to this, you know, and seeing AJ Styles and seeing the Bucks, if I'm not mistaken, AJ Styles signs with WWE like very soon after this. Like this, yeah, he, this took place yeah. 
in September, and he signed a place at the Royal Rumble. So like three months later yeah, or whatever. Right. Yeah, exactly. The September and AJ can WWE by January by the end of January. So. Yeah, and who knows like when he was signed, you know? So he probably this might have been one of his last indie dates, you know? Who knows when his last Japan or Ring of Honor was? But it was cool. Well, I, wish, I wish I had got Japan a been, last Japan would have been Ruffle Kingdom and New Year Dash 2015. Uh, okay, all right, fair enough. Yeah, I just really regret not getting a Mark photo with any of them. Because I don't think I got Mark photos with anybody back then. And that's one of the things I try to I try to live by, whether it's wrestlers or just people that I know, you know, just like, hey, I'm getting a, we're taking a selfie. If it's just like a regular person or if it's a wrestler, like, oh, how much for a picture? Just, you know, because in the case of like AJ Styles, you know, at the time I was a fan, you know, he's got some some ideas that I'm not a fan of. But uh, uh, at the time I was a fan, so I would have liked to have had a picture. I would have liked to have a picture with the Bucks before their heads got so big. But I don't know what can you do, but take pictures of the wrestlers that you like. Is my my lesson for the room. Yeah, that's uh, something I kind of you know really thought about during the whole pandemic was, you know, I don't have pictures. I didn't have pictures with a lot of my friends that I'd go see wrestling shows with or wrestlers that I enjoyed. I very much made it a point to uh, get pictures with them when I'm out at it shows if I want to get a picture with somebody or whatever, and you know do that kind of thing because. Uh, I definitely missed um, being able to do that. Yeah, right on. But I enjoyed watching the show again. You know, it was a good time. I, eh, maybe trim a half hour off of it and we'll talk. But, uh, you know, what I liked, I liked a lot. Okay. Just according to Cage Match at Leak here, just if you came up, uh, AJ Styles' last Ring of Honor appearance would have been at Final Battle in December. Luke in the World Title Match to Jay Lethal. Then he does a couple of independent shows after that. They're going in Syracuse a couple of days later. They're going in Georgia in January. And then he does a quick, a quick UK tour right before the Royal Rumble. Okay. Well, it was the last thing I saw. So that's all that matters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, re- I remember the, I remember the Ruckle Kingdom being his last Kingle match. But that was the match with Nakamura. Then oh, Nakamura yeah. wound up fighting and kind of fucked that up too. That was the Intercontinental match with two guys who were leaving in a, in a month. Yeah, not to get out completely off topic for the Chikara show, but I remember seeing that Wrestle Kingdom match, you know, on Access TV or HD Net, whatever it was called at the time, and being like, holy shit, this is one of the greatest matches I've ever seen. And I kept it on the DVR, and whenever wrestling fans would come over, I'd be like, oh, you got to watch this. And, you know, watch the match. And they'd sometimes be impressed by it, sometimes not. But then when they had their rematch at WrestleMania, years later being so excited that it was finally going to have the, the Nakamura AJ Styles rematch and just, them just shitting the bed or at least shitting the bed in comparison and being so disappointed in that match. Yeah. Everybody, man, everybody, because that yeah. was my buddy, even my buddy who like doesn't know a lot about any wrestling, but it's a big WWE guy. He literally was so excited for that match because he saw that match in Japan and knew about that match and loved that match. And, he, and that's why he went to WrestleMania that year was to see that match live. And he said he was so fucking disappointed in that match. And he said <laughs> that, and like that really killed it for him for a long time was he was so disappointed in how they handled that match. I was like, yeah, you know, they could have had one of the best WWE title matches of all time on that show. But yeah, WWE, that WWE style. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to make this very unique hot take that aside from a couple good people that are in that company, that company is dog shit. I hate it. Yep. Oh, no, that's <laughs> sure. Nobody's ever said that. <laughs> well, at least we have NXT to watch. That's still good. Oh, never mind. Never mind. <laughs> 
I can't complain, man. All my favorites right now, like my top, top favorites are in AEW. Like there's just a couple that I wish would leave WWE and go over and I would never have to think about them again, but we'll see. Yeah. I mean, obviously I still watch, you know, uh, I, I have to kind of watch stuff just for the podcast. I'll skim through Raw in an extreme fast forward. Uh, and then obviously SmackDown is the better of those two shows. But I, I say this all the time. Realistically, the only good things that WWE has going for it, obviously, that everybody agrees on is the, the, the tribal chief Roman Reigns and spooky Alexa Bliss. But I mean, other than those two things, uh, the rest of their program is just unwatchable. But I I do watch on SmackDown, and I hope one day they'll be very, very rich in a non-WWE atmosphere, but like Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. So I, I feel like they're still prisoners. So uh, they're not in AEW or anywhere else. So there are a couple good ones still there that I, I'll still watch for, begrudgingly. Yeah, that's... I- I can't even bring myself to watch any of the other product if even though they're on there it's like yeah they're not going to do you know anything great there it's like visiting them in prison you can see them through the glass but you can't you know yeah or zoo because kevin owens is a huge zoo fan yeah he's a zoo enthusiast yeah i i i I don't try to watch just because i'm a completed but (laughs) i'm not gonna lie like it does not bother me we're recording on monday night this week like i don't mind not watching that show no, yeah. <laughs> I don't even remember that there's a show on Mondays anymore and people bring it up. I'm like, oh, there is, whatever. <laughs> yeah, I will peruse. Uh, you know what? I will do my typical five minute watch through and I'll send you guys the bullet points. That's why I listen to your show every week, man. I get like what I should pay attention to or what's going on that I should care about. And that's about it. <laughs> well, hey, speaking of my show. <laughs> well, actually, before before you plug it, uh, I, I think we're going to be unanimous here, but thumb cup, thumb down, thumb in the middle. I'm going to go thumbs up. Uh, yeah, I'm 100% going thumbs up. I liked it through the rewatch way more than I liked it when I saw it live, just because I have a better appreciation for a lot of people on the show. But thumbs up. Yeah, thumbs up for me as well. Okay, now right. you can get to, to your plugs. Oh, sure. Well, as I've tried to very slyly and uh, without any kind of people noticing slide into the show throughout is that I am on a wrestling podcast with your previous co-host, previous guest, Joe Sposto, and that show is At Odds with Wrestling. And as Charlie has mentioned a bunch of times, we talk about, you know, what the week in wrestling was, but I mean, a lot of people do that as well. The thing that I think makes us different is that Joe has a wealth of wrestling knowledge, as I'm sure you would have heard if you listened to his appearance a couple weeks ago. I, on the other hand, know nothing about wrestling. I just have very bad takes and sarcastic opinions. So uh, Joe will assign me shows to watch. I will assign him much better shows to watch. Uh, We do a lot of different bits like that, but I think it's a fun show. We obviously do a little weekly purchases. So if you like hearing about the one thing Joe buys every six months, and the 50 toys I buy every week. Uh, there's a little bit of Toy Boy conversation in there as well. But as I mentioned, at odds with wrestling, we're on all the pod thingies. Uh, you can check us out on Twitter, the little at symbol, then odds wrestling. We're also on Instagram where I show all the show notes or show notes, show images uh, that we do for the show. Uh, and if you want to check me out on all the social medias, it's at the man Adam Van. And, uh, you know, whatever. Talk to me about Yankees baseball and how they're going to choke. Talk to me about the Steelers. Talk to me about wrestling or toys. Whatever. I'm there. All right. You can find me on Twitter at RefJayhawk. Uh, Instagram at Jayhawk1539. Twitch, twitch.tv forward slash RefJayhawk. Uh, I will be at the Cauliflower Alley Club reunion 
September 12th through the 15th, and I'll most likely be working the wrestling show on the 12th and 13th as part of that. Go come check those out if you're in the area. Which means you won't be here for two weeks of the podcast, so I'm flying solo soon. Yeah, I'll be, I'll be doing... I haven't had a wrestling show in like almost a month and I'm going to have, and I'm going to have like four within like eight days. <laughs> I'm going to wind up working out, but nice. Hit those towns. Absolutely. Got going to probably be doing the two show in Vegas for Cauliflower Alley Club that week. And I've got real action pro wrestling in Druthers, Ohio on September 18th and championship wrestling strong style in Vermilion, Ohio on September 19th. And then I'll probably not have any wrestling shows that I'm booked on for another week after that. Just the way it's been going, but. All right, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to us. And don't forget about our merch store over at whatamaneuver.net. And check out our podcast friends, Wrestling Cheers, Pod Van Dam, the Super Fantastic Podcast, If You Catch My Grift, and At Odds With Wrestling. Check out our other friends, pwponderings.com, Big Starks Brands, Set Tab Photos, Smoking Jay's Barbecue, and Kayfabe Collectibles. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Charlie underscore Butters. And you can find this podcast on Twitter and Instagram at IWTV Guide. Talk to you next week, everyone.